What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, March 30th, 2015. What a weekend it was. WrestleMania 31 in the books. Vince McMahon, good old Vince McMahon, does it again. Does it again. I watched WrestleMania last night. I actually, I was more into WrestleMania than I was the NCAA Tournament. All weekend, I do sit here with my Final Four almost intact. The official Final Four is Kentucky, Wisconsin, Duke, and Michigan State. Three one-seeds and a seven-seed. And my bracket that I gave you going into the tournament that people said, well, I don't care about your picks, I don't care about your bracket... I told you I don't give a shit that you don't care about my bracket. Um, I still gave it to you. And to the people that maybe would like to listen to someone who makes picks that has a method to their madness, I think you you heard how strongly I felt about Michigan State not just getting to the Final Four, but I predicted Michigan State, a seventh seed, to get out of the East, get to the Final Four, and then beat Duke and go to the national championship game. Michigan State will play Duke. On Saturday, 6 o'clock start, 6.09 tip-off Eastern time to be exact. They will uh, take on Duke, as I mentioned. And the winner of that game will play the winner of Kentucky and Wisconsin. Kentucky got a scare from Notre Dame uh, over the weekend. But here they are now in the, chi- in the semifinal um, going to the championship. I don't think Wisconsin's going to beat them. And if I had to put my money on the Final Four right now, I'm going to stick with the Final Four that I picked before the tournament even began, which was Kentucky versus Michigan State, a one versus seven seed. I told you about Michigan State. I told you how, well, they almost beat Wisconsin, and that would be one heck of a, that would be one heck of a championship as well. So I think the NCAA, whatever the result is in these semifinal games, they're going to have uh, major storylines in the championship game, because if it is Michigan State, if Wisconsin pulls off the major upset over Kentucky, which, again, I don't think is going to happen, Kentucky 38-0 and on the season, I think we're looking at a situation where Kentucky got a, a, a decent scare from Notre Dame, a very good Notre Dame club, uh, you know, a basketball club that we saw. Look, that Notre Dame team, they fought to the end. You saw the overtime game against Butler, and I think it's a situation where Kentucky now – you know, they're going to, I think, give Wisconsin a pretty good beating. That's what I think. I think that was one of those wake-up because the Notre Dame was, the Notre Dame game was was a wake-up call, in my opinion. I really do think that was a wake-up call. Um, but, so, it's, that's how I would look at that Kentucky game. I think, I think they'll beat Wisconsin pretty good. And if you want spreads right now for these semifinal games, well, I have them. As of today, as of Monday morning, uh, Kentucky is a five-point favorite over Wisconsin. I would absolutely take Kentucky at minus five. And then you look at Michigan State. Duke, Michigan State is currently a five-point dog. I would take Michigan State. In fact, I would take them to win straight up. I'd take a money line if you want to play the bet a little safer. Take the five points uh, because if Duke does win, you can think it's going to be close. Uh, Michigan State, they are for real. 
I think Michigan State wins, and I think we see Michigan State, uh, Kentucky. But if Wisconsin does have the upset here, you know, Michigan State, Wisconsin, that's a rematch of the Big Ten Championship, which, well, Michigan State lost in overtime. You can make the argument they should have won that game. Uh, and, and that really was part of my reasoning for taking Michigan State through the East bracket is that at even, you know, as a seven seed, we've seen what they were able to do during the regular season and in their conference tournament against some of the best teams in the country. So I didn't like the seven seed for Michigan State. I thought it didn't bode well for the rest of the East bracket. And here's Michigan State in the final four. So I did predict three final four teams correctly. I did not have Wisconsin. I actually had Arkansas. The five-seed Arkansas coming out of the West Bracket um, in that one. So I was wrong in the West Bracket is Wisconsin. Three ones and a seven. I got three out of four. My championship, I'm sticking to it. Kentucky-Michigan State with Kentucky winning by 10, 78, 68. I think Kentucky got a wake-up call. They got a nice scare from Notre Dame. And I think uh, I, I think they go to work. I think Cal, Coach Cal goes to work on them in practice leading into this game on Saturday night. Uh, so I'm sticking to my guns. Kentucky over Michigan State, that will be the championship in the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Now, the Frozen Four, the men's hockey tournament, is set. Omaha against Providence, and then BU, North Dakota. Those games taking place here at the TD Garden in Boston. So you got a couple local teams here in the Boston area, Providence and BU, who knows? And Providence uh, making some noise. Not sure they're supposed to be making noise in this tournament, but here they are doing it. Uh, Harvard and BC lost early. Uh, so that's the Frozen Four bracket. We could possibly get to more of that this week. It's a big week on this show. Uh, tomorrow in studio, Jimmy Hayes of the Florida Panthers is going to join the show. You know the Panthers are in a playoff race. Uh, They are in town to play the Bruins tomorrow night, so we'll get him in studio. We'll do some hockey talk. The NBA playoff race is heating up uh, as the Celtics, who lost a tough one last night uh, to the Clippers. They now have a big game um, tonight against Charlotte, and the Celtics, the playoffs began today. Going into the day, the Celtics are actually just in the outside looking in. Uh, Brooklyn uh, in that eighth spot with the Celtics, uh, Indiana, and Charlotte trying to get in, and as I mentioned, this is a big one against Charlotte tonight, against the Hornets. Uh, So we get the NBA playoff race heating up. Uh, Major League Baseball, regular season, begins on Sunday night. It's going to be the Cubs and the Cardinals here locally. The Red Sox begin in Philadelphia on Monday. Uh, So we'll do some baseball talk later in the week. I'll give my Major League Baseball preseason predictions, if you will. Uh, I'll give my division winners. I'll give my playoff winners and even a couple regular season awards, Cy Young's, MVPs, things to that nature. So we'll get some baseball talk this week as well. Uh, Before I close out today's show, I do want to touch on the David Ortiz piece that he wrote, well, I guess wrote in the Players' Tribune. I think somebody else wrote it. But when you read the David Ortiz piece, now – this came out, what, there, I, late last week. The way we scheduled last week's shows, though, had Sean Thornton on Thursday, and then we recorded Friday's show, actually Thursday night, with Mark Sherman of Chaotic Wrestling, uh, the short thing he is known as in Chaotic Wrestling, and we previewed WrestleMania, so we didn't re- technically do a show on Friday. We used that for Friday's show. Uh, that is the luxury that we have at the Beantown Athletic Studios here in Beantown Athletics in Dorchester, Massachusetts, where we broadcast every weekday. Listen at dannypicard.com, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and also now 
on TuneIn. Make sure you listen to the show on TuneIn. Follow us there as well. So I'll get my I'll get I didn't get to give my take on the David Ortiz thing Friday, like most people in this town. Um, but I I have read it and I do have uh, an opinion and a reaction to the David Ortiz piece in the Players Tribune that has to do with his career performance enhancing drugs. That list that he's on from 2003 with regards to a failed test and some of the comments that David Ortiz makes regarding the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. But before I do that, last night was WrestleMania. And last week on this show, spent a lot of time looking at WrestleMania and previewing WrestleMania. Now, the, the WrestleMania is the event that I think brings more non-wrestling fans out of the woodwork, right? When people think of wrestling, they think of WrestleMania. It really is, even though the WWE has a pay-per-view every month, WrestleMania is the one pay-per-view that all the all the stars come out. I don't, I don't, I'm not even saying just watching. I mean, you get superstar talent that shows up to the event, right? That They want to be seen. Everybody wants to be seen at WrestleMania. It is a major event. It's the biggest event in sports entertainment. Right? I mean, you know, the Super Bowl, and it's different. I'm not trying to compare the NFL with the WWE. But on that stage, the grand stage, WrestleMania, you know, gets, you know, the publicity, the promotion, uh, the spotlight is just as big as something like that, if not bigger. So WrestleMania is a major event. And, and you know, you get people that don't pay attention every single day, and they will show up, and, and they will find a way to watch WrestleMania because you got a lot of people talking about it. Um, the people that knock it piss me off, right? Because the people that knock it, they knock it as if nobody's watching it. They, they, they knock it and say, come on, you know, you're 30 years old, you're going to be watching professional wrestling. The people that say that, I, they don't get that they are in the, the very small minority of people that aren't watching WrestleMania. More people are watching WrestleMania than aren't. So... I'm sick of hearing that. I'm just, you know, just shut up. If you don't watch it, that's fine. Don't watch it. I don't give a shit that you don't watch it. But I'm watching it, and it was it was worth it. Vince McMahon does it again. It was in San Francisco. I didn't, you know, I, I guess I didn't think about this beforehand. Even See, I went to the Meadowlands, to MetLife Stadium in New York a couple of years ago, WrestleMania, and... You know, it begins, you get there at 5.30, 6 o'clock. They have some things that happen that, you know, aren't really televised. And now with the network, they televise everything, the WWE Network. And you can get it for just nine ninety nine a month. Free read right there for good old Vince. Um, but, you know, when I went, when you go to the Meadowlands and you're outside, you're like, okay, the first couple matches, it's going to be bright out. It, you know, the... The sun's out still. It hasn't gone down yet. It's not dark in here. But at least on the East Coast, when they start these things at 7, by the time you get to 8, 8.30, yeah, then it starts getting dark and, and the lights come on and it's cool. What you realize when you watched last night, and I wasn't there, I watched on the WWE Network, um, is that, well, yeah, it starts at 7 o'clock here on the East Coast, but it's really only 4 o'clock there. So even by the time you get to the main event... It won't be completely pitch blackout. And I didn't know how I was, how I was going to feel about some of the bigger matches not, with it not really being dark. And one of the matches that you think of is, you know, The Undertaker. He's fighting Bray Wyatt. And what were the, the rumors during the day with Bray Wyatt, what, broke his ankle or hurt his ankle bad in the warm-up earlier in the day? 
and that he might not be able to go and that they were going to have to find somebody else uh, to, to take on The Undertaker. I don't know how that was going to work. Now, that didn't happen. Bray Wyatt actually fought, and it was a, it was a nice match. But their entrances are special. You know, Bray Wyatt, the lights go out. If you've ever been in an arena when he goes to the ring and everybody puts their phones up, I wish they would go back to him coming on the big screen and saying, like, like last night he should have said, San Francisco, we're here. And then he blows out the lantern and he comes out. Like, I, I wish they would go back to that in the big screen. They don't. He just comes out now. And, you know, the entrances at WrestleMania, they make them bigger, badder, and better. And that's, you could see that with Triple H's entrance. He had the Terminator gear on coming down. That was cool. You see that with Rusev's entrance. Rusev comes out. You know, Rusev is a, he's the Russian. Comes out with Lana. They had the Russian military lead him down. They, Rusev came down in a fucking war, Russian war tank. It, they played the Russian, nas- the Russian anthem, right? Russian national anthem. It was, uh, it was crazy. It was... That's Vince McMahon being Vince McMahon. He turned Cena Rusev into uh, American propaganda. Uh, you know, I don't know anyone else who could do that other than Vince McMahon. Uh, Cena, you know, the video before Cena's entrance about USA was great. Um, but the entrances that you really think of when you, when you think of how bright it's going to be outside is The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt's. And it wasn't necessarily that dark. I guess you could say it was dark enough where it didn't look too crazy. They waited till. I believe it was the, that was the second-to-last match before Lesnar and Roman Reigns, and we'll get to that in a minute, and the result of the main event. But overall, I will say that, once again, the WWE, they, they did it big, and it was one of the more exciting events. And I say that having watched with some people that aren't necessarily as big a fan as I am. And... When you get those people to, to leave that event and say, wow, that was awesome, you know they did it the right way. So I, I would actually, in the future, if you're, a, if you're a big fan of the WWE, if you're a diehard fan, right, then you should, I recommend watching WrestleMania with someone who isn't, right, and, and let them actually pay attention to it. And, and, and to see their reaction to it be, wow, that was awesome, that's when you know, that the WWE did it the right way. Uh, They did it the right way in more ways than one last night with a lot of things. And, I mean, where do you want to start? From the Intercontinental title match to open it, the ladder match, I think Dean Dean Ambrose, if he doesn't have, like, 40 stitches in the back of his head after being powerbombed through a ladder outside the ring, from inside the ring to outside the ring, I don't know how, I don't know how you even accept, I don't know how you agree to even taking that hit or taking that fall. Right, people, look, these guys don't like when you call it fake for that reason. When a guy gets powerbombed from inside the ring to the outside through a ladder that breaks in half, and he has to get, sti- I mean, that, he was seriously injured right there, but he agreed to do it, and he knew he was going to get hurt. So that's why, that, that's one of the reasons they don't like to, they don't like when people call it fake. Um, Daniel Bryan wins that. I don't know what's next for him. It's clear that, that they look, they're going to try to make the Intercontinental title what it used to be, you know, when... When, you know, Bret Hart had it, or when Shawn Michaels had it, or Razor Ramon, you know, you use that to take the next step up. And, and Daniel Bryan, it's a weird story because last year at WrestleMania at this time, he was in the main event winning the WWE Championship, right? So then he gets seriously hurt, serious neck injury. He's forced to give up the title, and that's, that's not a, a fake storyline. That's a real-life storyline. 
Uh, and it's, I guess you're in a situation, if you're the WWE, how do you work Daniel Bryan back into it? Well, I think this is a good way. Now, did I expect WrestleMania to begin and have Daniel Bryan's music playing right off the get-go? No, I didn't expect that. Uh, because usually, and I guess they've changed this over the years, right? Way back when, old school WWE, you know, you'd get the soft matches early on, right? You'd get... You'd get the, uh, no, there weren't many soft matches. I mean, the Divas match, you know, I, I think that that's a time in which you say, well, this isn't one of the main events. Uh, but you, I think they, they sort of saved that match later on these days, right? They don't, they don't play the, the softer matches early on in the event like they used to. They come out, they come out swinging to get your attention. I, but I didn't expect to see Daniel Bryant right away because you think of last year, he was in the main event. Now he's the first guy announced and he opens WrestleMania. I, I, guess, I guess it's changed to the point where that's not really a, a, a soft match or a soft entrance anymore, if you get what I'm saying with that. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Daniel Bryant moving forward. But as the night went on, I, I did think the Sting Triple H match was a whole lot earlier than I thought it was going to be. But it was cool to see Sting in a WWE ring. Uh, it was even cooler to see DX come down and interrupt in the match. Without Shawn Michaels, by the way. It was just the New Age Outlaws and X-Pac. And you're wondering, you know, where's Shawn Michaels? And then the NWO comes out. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Hulk Hogan to their music. And it's a big fight. And all of a sudden, there's Shawn Michaels in the ring super kicking Sting. Right, and then he tips the cap, and it was awesome. And at the end, it was NWO versus DX, and the storyline, the way it played out, I thought played out much better than I originally thought it would. Because when Sting first came in, I didn't know where they were going with it, right? And, and I guess I didn't put two and two together, and I didn't think back of the Monday Night Wars, and I just I didn't go, you know, I didn't go there, you know, where Triple H was the authority and Sting used to fight the authority and W. CW, and they put it together with the Monday Night Wars. I, I thought it was perfectly done. I did. And it was, if you're an old-school wrestling fan and you really paid attention to the Monday Night Wars, WCW versus WWF, DX and WWF, NWO and WCW, and the Sting Factor now fighting an authority figure again, and you put everything together, it was a, that was a cool moment. That was a cool moment last night where you had DX and WC, D, excuse me, DX and NWO sort of combining the history of WCW and WWF in the same ring on the grandest stage of them all at WrestleMania. I was surprised that Sting agreed to come back and and have the result of that match be what it was, which is sort of, you know, taking your medicine, I guess. Hey, listen, you didn't want to come back for so long. Now you're going to come back. Sure, we're going to put you in the Hall of Fame at some point soon, probably next year. But you're not just going to come back and, and be a hero, right? It's not going to happen. Now, here's my thing. You can't have Sting's career end like that. I think you end that storyline, given they shook hands at the end, right? I think you end that storyline where it is, but you can't have his career end like that. Who does he fight to end his career? You would like to think he has a, he ends, it on, ends it on a positive note with a W, but we'll see where they go with it. I, I really don't know. Um, now, speaking of ending on a high note, I would think that that was the last match for The Undertaker. I would think. I would think that's the last match for The Undertaker. I'm not sure. I'm not positive. I would think that is the last match for The Undertaker. 
I actually hope it is. You know, WrestleMania, gets back to a WrestleMania win. It was a nice match with Bray Wyatt. I, I don't see why Bray Wyatt doesn't have a larger role. Now, maybe you have a match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's a very big match to be in. Maybe they now take him to the next level. Now, it's not a W. Uh, they don't put him over. But at the same time, just being in that match alone, that speaks volumes. We see the guys that he faces each and every year in that match and what their career has been like in the WWE. You know, I'm still, I watch Bray Wyatt now, and I can't get out of my head what Mark Sherman, the short thing, told us in studio last week was that Bray Wyatt is the son of Erwin R. Scheister. IRS. Erwin R. Scheister. Yeah, you didn't know that was his name? Yeah, that's what it stands for. IRS is the, is the father of Bray Wyatt. I, I'm, I'm, I'm rattled by that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I can't get that out of my head, but I do think Bray Wyatt, I, I think, I think there were big things for him. At least there should be. At least there should be. I'll get to the main event in just a second, but, but you can't, see, you sort of, go, you, you're watching the event last night and you forget, you know, I had a lot of cool moments early, that intercontinental match that I said, Daniel Bryan winning that, um, Dean Ambrose getting smashed to, through a, through a ladder outside. I think Dolph Ziggler's... I need Dolph Ziggler to have a major role. I do. I think he's got all the talent in the world. He's exciting. I need him, I need him to have a major role in the WWE. Another thing I wish they did, bad news, Barrett, I wish his entrance... I wish they still opened his entrance with him saying over the loudspeaker, I'm afraid I got some bad news. Right? Everybody in the stadium yells that. They don't do that anymore. I wish they did. But anyways... You had some exciting moments early. I thought the Randy Orton RKO to Seth Rollins was one of the one of the more exciting finishing moves of the night. It was. One of the more exciting finishing moves of the night. Uh, so you're sort of watching it, and at least me, I kind of forgot about John Cena in this event. I don't know about anybody else. As I'm watching the event, I, I, you know, you're trying to wonder, okay, what's next? All right, what match could be next? And as with sitting there, the people I'm watching with, I'm talking, I just forgot about Cena. I forgot about the Cena Rusev match, and I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if that speaks volumes to maybe what Rusev isn't right now, or if that just tells you, you know, the popularity of John Cena. Eh, where are they going to go with that? Either way, with John Cena being in that match for that title, maybe they're going to try. Maybe they're going to try to make the U.S. Championship be something bigger than it has been in the past. I really don't know. But John Cena wins the match. He's the new U.S. champion. I just, I want to I wanna pray for Lana today. She really got hurt. Poor Lana. I love Lana. I, I am one of the bigger Lana fans out there. If you don't watch the WWE, go on, Google Lana. You'll watch the WWE, okay? That's, she's one of the major reasons I watch. I just want to pray for her. I think, I think ankle, foot. She got roughed up last night, and I don't think that was I don't think that was an angle. I think she really got hurt. Someone said, "Oh, she look, she's laughing." I said, "Oh no, I think she's crying." <laughs> I, I I don't know that that was real. You know, they they do a lot of great stuff with guys that you say, "Oh wow, I think he's really hurt. I think he's really injured," and 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 they do a they they can fake it, they can sell it to the point where then you look like an idiot when the guy gets up and and starts doing flips. And you say, eh, I bought into it. They got me. They got me on that one. I thought he was really hurt. Lana, though, I pray for Lana. 
I, I, I'm in love with Lana. I hope she's okay. We don't, we don't need her. We can't have her walking on, around on crutches for too long. So I hope somebody takes care of her. If not, Lana, call me. We get some ice here in the Beantown Athletic Studios. We'll ice that ankle up. Um, speaking of ice, Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar is going to need some ice under his left eye. I don't know if Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins had agreed. They must have agreed to this going into the main event, which was let's make this as real a fight as possible. Let's make this as real a fight as possible. Now, we know the whole UFC angle. And and by the way, actually, before I get to that, UFC, WWE. My theory last week of the WWE and UFC somehow being in cahoots with cross-promotion if you thought I was crazy, then you then then you you can't possibly think that today, a day after WrestleMania, can you? You can't possibly think that. Put it this way. I have a very good friend who has a very 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 large role with the UFC. Very large role, very important role in the UFC, okay? Um we'll even go as far as to say one of the top dogs. We'll we'll go there. Um, I texted him last night. He he doesn't, we didn't watch the, the, he didn't watch WrestleMania. I texted him last night and told him that currently, and I showed him a picture of it. I took a picture on my phone. The text was a picture of Ronda Rousey and The Rock in the ring at WrestleMania, face-to-face with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. And I told him, hey, look, Ronda Rousey in the ring. And he said, his response was, no effing way. And this is somebody that's very high up at UFC. So, even someone like that, so I won't call you crazy if you didn't want to believe my theory, but once you now see this, and once you saw last night Ronda Rousey in the ring, not just on the mic, but also getting Stephanie McMahon in an amba and having a WrestleMania moment, getting pulled from the crowd, then... You are nuts if you don't believe me now that UFC and WWE are in cahoots. I mean, think of all the things. Brock Lesnar went from WWE to UFC and actually became, you know, UFC heavyweight champion, undisputed heavyweight champion in UFC, right? And then he comes back to WWE, and here he is, this monster figure, WWE champ, headline in WrestleMania, beats the, they have him, they have him beat the Undertaker's, defeat his undefeated streak last year. Now he's defending the title this year. Um, and then you get, you get CM Punk going to UFC. Yeah, you can say all they want that CM Punk and the WWE had a bad breakup. But the more I see this stuff with UFC and this sort of in cahoots situation that they're in right now with cross-promotion, the more I think that CM Punk is full of shit. And he is somehow just sort of, they gave him a little break in his contract at WWE, and he's going to come running back. I mean, I believe it anyways. But I think there's definitely a cross-promotional tool that at some point down the road, WWE will use again. And let's face it, UFC is using it right now. Dana White's using it. He'd be crazy not to. CM Punk is a large following. And I know there's guys in UFC that probably don't like that. CM Punk's getting so much publicity. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are licking their chops trying to get their hands on this guy because they don't like the fact that CM Punk can go from the squared circle in the entertainment industry to come into the octagon and actually beat somebody up in a fight. They don't like that. And I can understand it. I can understand it. Much like the guys in the WWE 
wouldn't like somebody from the outside coming into their industry thinking that they can do what they do. It's, it's like that everywhere. So I can understand it, but at the same time, if you're Dana White, you'd be crazy not to use the CM Punk publicity to, to promote your brand, right? And the WWE must love it. And then you get the Brock Lesnar situation leading into WrestleMania where everybody going into the event, including myself, thought that Lesnar was done. This was going to be his last match in WWE at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns. He was going back to the UFC. That was the rumor. His contract was up. And then Brock Lesnar is on SportsCenter, the 6 o'clock SportsCenter on Wednesday, right Wednesday, oh no, Tuesday, last Tuesday, announcing, he's in studio, and he's announcing that he has re-signed with the WWE, okay? On SportsCenter, on ESPN, he's announcing this. And I do think that UFC gets some publicity out of that as well because the thought was that he was leaving. And then the next day, you know, Dana White's on, and what are they promoting? Uh, Aldo versus McGregor, right? Is that the big fight they're promoting? And they got a hell of a storyline there because McGregor's nuts. McGregor's nuts. But I can tell you this, I'm, I root against him. I'm rooting against him. It's a little too much, you know? It's a little, it's a little too much. It, it does, some of it pisses me off. Um... I don't know how much of it the guy Aldo can actually understand through the translation, through the translator, but um, it, someone who can understand what McGregor's saying, it's a, it's a little too much. We had an Irish guy come in here, obviously. Conor McGregor is Irish. Mm-hmm. Being in Dorchester, there's a ton of Irish guys in the neighborhood. Yep. Irish guy came into Beantown the other day getting some shirts made, and he told us he's a good friend of Conor McGregor's, trains with him, uh-huh. and that he's the nicest guy in the world. Outside of the ring, it's all an act. That really? On. So, yeah, so it's all an act. So he knows when the camera's on. <laughs> yeah. All right. But, yeah. But know. it is, it's over the top. But obviously, it's annoying. it is over the top. It's annoying. So, you know, I, I root for him, though. You root for him. All yeah. right, we'll see I'm what in, I'm in his corner. We'll see. We'll see. You're taking him to the ring. You're walking to the ring with him. No, I wish. Saying? That would oh, be okay. awesome. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get you. We'll get you walking to the, walk into his ring. You, you walked to the ring with uh, Danny O'Connor, though, recently, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, Danny O's last fight. Mm. We did. All right, maybe we'll get you to walk to the ring with Conor McGregor at some point. But. Uh, just to, to get away from that for a minute. You know, the UFC, WWE, they are in cahoots. And if you didn't see WrestleMania last night, let me tell you what happened. The Rock comes down, interrupts Stephanie McMahon and Triple H uh, in the ring, you know, who are basically telling the fans that they created the WWE. Uh, and without them too, and without the McMahons, none of this would be going on. And all of a sudden, you hear... If you smell what The Rock is cooking, The Rock comes out, right? Comes down to the ring in his Under Armour. I got to get that Under Armour t-shirt that he's wearing too, by the way. He comes down, he's on the mic, um, and Stephanie McMahon slaps him. And she slapped him. Rock's face was red. Rock leaves the ring because she goes, what are you going to do, hit a woman? He goes out. He, he looks like he's leaving the arena. All of a sudden, he turns. And he walks around the ring. And I'll give the fans credit. Because they obviously knew what was going to happen. Now, I didn't. He starts walking around the ring. I guess they had showed Ronda Rousey earlier. on, on I watched on the TV. And I didn't know where she was sitting. Though. I knew she was in the front row. But I didn't put two and two together. The fans knew. The, the minute The Rock starts run, walking over, the fans start chanting, Ronda Rousey. You got the audio of that, Pete? Does it come in pretty good? So Ronda Rousey goes into the ring with The Rock. So Ronda, 
Unless you're going to sit over there and enjoy WrestleMania like a nice little fan. Why don't you get the hell out of my ring? <laughs> you need to understand something, this stuff. Any ring I step into is mine. Rousey on the mic, that's when you know shit's real, right? When Ronda Rousey is on the mic, that's when you know it's real. That's when you know, you know, it's one thing for her to get in the ring and make an appearance. It's one thing for that. It's another thing when she grabs the mic and actually is talking. She's talking shit. So then she gets Stephanie McMahon in an amba. The Rock and Triple H are going at it. She gets Stephanie McMahon in an amba. Um... It was awesome, you know, and it just goes to, it goes back to my point that there's something going on with WWE and UFC. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to combine and join forces because that doesn't make sense because obviously it's two different things. But with regards to promotion, look, I I mean, it can't hurt either company to cross promote the way it's been doing. It can't. And I do think because of all of it, CM Punk is going to return at some point and he is going to fight Brock Lesnar. And this could be the main event at WrestleMania in a couple years for the title. It's going to happen. Right? I think that's where you get... See, you know what this is setting up for, Pete? You know, and this has been my theory, if you were, as you've heard. But this is setting up for giving CM Punk his WrestleMania moment. His ultimate WrestleMania moment. Because here's what they're doing with Brock Lesnar. With him beating The Undertaker, right? With him beating The Undertaker last year, and in the undefeated streak... They've made him unbeatable. He has, they've had him beat up John Cena. I mean, not even, not even close. And then, you know, last night in the main event, he fights Roman Reigns. He wasted no time. And again, I don't know if Roman Reigns and Lesnar agreed to make it as real as possible, but they actually were, like, really punching each other in the face. and sl- Like, they were actually hitting each other last night. And I think they both have to agree to do something like that. And... They had Brock Lesnar basically beating the shit out of Roman Reigns in the first 10 minutes. He gave him his finisher like 30 seconds in. And you're saying, oh, man, they're going to do they're going to let Lesnar do this uh, again. You know, they're going to let him beat the shit out of someone and make him just this unstoppable force. Then all of a sudden, Roman Reigns starts coming back. And, I, and I'm not a Roman Reigns guy. I'm really not. I'm not a Roman Reigns guy. I don't. I, he's terrible on the mic. I think you need to be great in the mic to be great in this industry. And, and you need to have the combination of things. Um, he's obviously a physical beast, Roman Reigns. I don't like how he comes down through the, through the audience. I think that needs to change soon. Um, I, 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 but last night, there was a moment in this match where he began to come back from this beating that he was taking from Brock Lesnar and it looked like he was going to come back and win the title. Where I, there was a moment where I said to myself, wow, I really like what, the, what he's doing right now. And I'm buying in to the Roman Reigns championship era. I started to buy in during that match. And you know they did their job the right way when you have that. Because Lesnar was out of it. And I think the way they played it was great. He was out of it. He kept taking Superman punches and he wouldn't fall. Then he gets, he's gushing blood right from his head after being slammed into the uh, turnbuckle pole. It was, it was an awesome scene. Lesnar was down and out. He's the big beast. He's never been, almost never been knocked down and looked like this before. And here comes Reigns coming back, and all of a sudden, Seth Rollins' music plays. Seth Rollins' music plays after getting, you know, the RKO of a lifetime. The best RKO from Randy Orton I've seen that he's ever going to give to Seth Rollins. It was an unbelievable, 
Yeah, because basically Seth Rollins tried to give him the curb stomp, and he just sort of jumped off Orton's back, and Orton jumped up and gave him an RKO. It was awesome. It was one of the more exciting moments of the night. It happened really early on. But Rollins lost that match. But then he cashes in the money in the bank. While Reigns and Lesnar are down and out of it, and they announce that it's a triple threat match. And Seth Rollins pins Roman Reigns. He pins, the way they did it, I think Seth Rollins, Lesnar was going to give Rollins the, his finisher, had him up on his shoulders, right? And then Reigns speared Lesnar. And then Rollins gets up and curb stomps Reigns and wins the title. So Seth Rollins is the WWE champ. And it, look, if you don't think that's a big deal, he was on the Today Show this morning. The Today Show, the new WWE champ. Cash is in the money in the bank, but you know what they're doing. Again, back to my overall theory here. They, they made sure that Brock Lesnar did not get pinned last night. And that's where tonight is must-see TV on Monday Night Raw. It's must-see TV. You, the, the, I'm telling you right now, if you watch WrestleMania last night and you're not a season ticket holder, you're not a monster fan of wrestling, and you just watch WrestleMania, you also need to watch Raw tonight. Because at, at least the crowd the night after WrestleMania is always the best crowd of the year. It's awesome. They're chanting stuff. They're nuts. And it's almost like every crowd at Raw the night after WrestleMania, they feel the need to one-up the crowd the night after WrestleMania the year before. Right? They feel the need to one-up that crowd the year before on the night after WrestleMania on Raw. So you got to see tonight. But I also think Heyman and Lesnar are going to open this up. And Paul Heyman's the best. I'm so glad they gave him the mic last night to introduce Lesnar. What would be a WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar if Paul Heyman could not get on the mic. He is he might be the best fucking thing that's ever happened to the company. He's awesome. Paul Heyman's the man. And but what they were careful of doing was they also want Brock Lesnar to still be the man while they give Seth Rollins the championship. And they did that by making that a triple threat so that Lesnar didn't have to get pinned to lose the title. So now you're going to have that angle, but also Lesnar will still be this unstoppable force here moving forward. Even if he doesn't get the belt back right away, he'll still be this unstoppable force. And it will set us up for CM Punk getting that WrestleMania moment, ultimately, against another UFC, former UFC guy, right? And they, get, they put CM Punk over the top to beat the guy that can't be beat or hasn't been beaten in years. I, I honestly think that's what goes down. I think... And they can tell us all they want, that they're battling each other and fighting each other. But look, um, I, I, don't, I don't buy into it. That the, there was a bad breakup, I don't, bad in, I don't buy into it. What, one thing these guys do is they always come back. And there's always a storyline ready to go for them when they come back. And I feel like they're always setting up storylines to even some of the major guys years ahead of time. I think that's what we're seeing. But awesome night last night uh, at WrestleMania. Uh, I was not there. I watched it on TV, but it was awesome on TV. And I tell you what, Raw tonight is must-see TV. Special night last night. Pete, the, you didn't watch WrestleMania last night? Maybe I, I heard some. you and Joey T uh, getting pretty animated. Yeah, there. we were. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah. It's an exciting time. I'm just I'm a big Brock Lesnar guy, so I'm 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 happy if he's gonna lose the belt, lose it like that, and don't get him pinned. Uh, that that I'm fine with that. And the NWO DX stuff was awesome. Uh, the Rock, Ronda Rousey was great. Sting back. Uh, the Undertaker. Uh, I don't know. I'm not the biggest Undertaker. I, I never was really an Undertaker guy. I think Bray Wyatt needs to get a, a major shot at some point, and I hope he does. And I hope this match sets him up uh, to get that notoriety, to get that shot. Um, 
you know, maybe, honestly, the most exciting moment maybe was the AKO from Orton on Seth Rollins. That, 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 I got jacked up for that. That was jump out of your seat type shit, to be honest. It was. No suplex city, bitch. Oh, suplex <laughs> city, bitch, from Brock Lesnar. They had the cameras on him. He suplexed, and he goes, suplex city, bitch. And I put the hashtag on Twitter, suplex city, bitch. I also threw a hashtag, pray for Lana, which we still will do. I, I really do hope she's okay. Um, Lana, we're, we're saying prayers for you, hon. All right? We got you. We got you back. But um, there's my WrestleMania recap. We'll, maybe we'll talk about Raw tomorrow. But Jimmy Hayes, probably not because Jimmy Hayes is going to join me in studio. Jimmy Hayes from the Florida Panthers. He's in town to play the Bruins um, tomorrow night. Uh, so they're in a playoff race. We will talk to him. And later in the week, Billy Jaffe, he'll join us in studio. And maybe a couple, maybe another special guest that we're working on right now talking about with someone, uh, Major League Baseball related. So uh, a lot of good things happen in the next couple weeks. As I mentioned, you know, look, we got the, the final four coming up this weekend, the frozen four this weekend, NBA playoff race, Stanley Cup playoff race, and then Major League Baseball begins Sunday night, the regular season. I'm jacked up about Major League Baseball. It means that, yes, we are closer to summertime. The snow is almost all melted here in Boston. We had all those major storms. You know, there's still places in which there's piles and piles of just dirty, disgusting snow and ice. But hopefully that'll be gone soon. Baseball season being here and beginning on Sunday is just a sign, another sign that uh, soon it will be gone and it will be melted. Uh, but, you know, la- before the weekend began, I did not get to touch on the David Ortiz story in which... He wrote in the Players' Tribune, um, and the Players' Tribune is this website. I believe G- Derek Jeter started this, where I believe, I don't know, there's a, a bunch of players, they, they, they have columns or stories or opinionated pieces, and they use this as their forum, you know, instead of leaking out a story to a columnist, this and that. They're basically using the internet and social media to, to their advantage. As well, they should. I think it's a cool idea. The latest David Ortiz piece, uh, I do need to react to it. Because I have reaction. But let me first give you the reaction that I, that I heard before I read this piece. Now, I didn't read this. I, I, I did this on purpose. I didn't read. The, I knew I was going to talk about it on today's show. I didn't get to talk about it last week. Because, again, we recorded Friday's podcast on Thursday night. And did really did just WrestleMania stuff. But, I, so I did this on purpose. I didn't read this story until today. Until this morning, on this Monday morning, March 30th, 2015. I I didn't read this David Ortiz story in the Players' Tribune until today. But let me give you my, let me give you what I heard, what I thought, here's what I thought this was going to be. Based on reaction that I heard in this town, in Boston, from major columnists, from major radio hosts, to major TV personalities uh, that that I have the utmost respect for and listen to. Um, and, and I take their advice and their comments, and I, I, I'd like to believe that, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they, they're going to react in, in a way that's, that's passionate. You know, they're going to react in a passionate manner. But when I hear the reaction to the David Ortiz story in the Players' Tribune from a lot of people in this town, um, what I thought this was going to be was... I thought it was going to be... I thought David Ortiz was going to come off a little bit more like a guy 
who really just used this to whine and complain about things. And I didn't, I, I didn't really get that. I didn't really get that reading it. I thought this was David Ortiz just, you know, bitching about something, right? That's what I, that's what I thought. And, and look, he's, he's, we've heard him do that in the past. So it wouldn't be anything new if he did. So I think maybe even we take that and we combine that with this story and people turn it into, oh, here goes David Ortiz again. Now, it's about a strong subject, performance-enhancing drugs. And it's an even stronger subject with David Ortiz because this is a guy who's been accused of taking performance-enhancing drugs. He was on that list of failed tests in 2003, and that was released years down the road, right? And his name was on that list. I don't think we've heard every player on that list. From what we hear, there's a lot of big names, but David Ortiz was one of them. And there's always been sort of that cloud over his head. Now, even before that list, there was always the cloud over his head, right? There was always the cloud over his head. And I think there was a cloud over his head because that's just what we knew to be true in Major League Baseball, that when guys go from nobodies to somebodies and their numbers jump off the screen, or when guys, especially in David Ortiz's case, go from nobodies to somebodies back to nobodies who can't hit above 250, and then back to superstar hitters, which happened to David Ortiz. I mean, what, 2007, 2006, 2007, right? Or 2008, somewhere around there. David Ortiz was, I mean, I remember he began that one season through May, and he couldn't hit a beach ball. And we're wondering, wow, is this the end of David Ortiz? And then all of a sudden, his career, you know, he's rejuvenated, and he's an all-star again. And he's smashing home runs once again. That's just what what we what we think of. We think of performance enhancing drugs. That's the league. I, I don't know that that's just that's not individual or player specific. You know, and some players get caught up in it and they think you know they're the only one that the finger's being pointed at. Now, if Alex Rodriguez wants to think that, then then he's right. There is a witch hunt against the guy. Right, there are fingers being pointed at him nonstop. So Alex Rodriguez can think that, and he's right. People are out to get him. I don't know that. I don't know that people are out to get David Ortiz, um, as much as maybe he might think they are. But in general, the idea that a guy can go from being a nobody to a somebody, back to a nobody, back to a somebody again in his career and rejuvenate himself several times. I mean, this is a guy that had a different last name in Minnesota, right, with the Twins. And all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, who's David Ortiz? And how is he this good out of nowhere? And then when he fell off and he couldn't hit a beach ball in that one season through May, years later, and then he returns again to glory, you're wondering, "Uh uh-oh. I mean, what's the initial reaction? And I don't think it's player-specific. I think it's just a reaction in the league that when something like that does happen to player X or player Y, the first thing we think of is performance-enhancing drugs. Now, I think, I think that's, that's because of the history, right? That's because of the steroid era. That's because of Maguire, Mark Maguire. That's because of Barry Bonds. You know, these guys, you know, they, they set the tone for our reactions to this stuff, and it puts a cloud over a guy's head when there are unknowns Look, we can all go and, and crack a couple of Bud Lights with our friends on a Friday night, and you could put out a list of guys that you say, wow, this guy, 
definitely juiced. Oh, this guy took something. Oh, this guy's taking something. We could do that. We could play that game. Now, I don't like to do it here over the year because I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair to the player. But it, it, what it all comes down to, right, what it all comes down to is the Hall of Fame. That's what it all, it all comes down to the Hall of Fame. And these guys can say all they want about not giving a shit about the Hall of Fame. They care. Now, if there's one thing that jumps off the page to me when I read this David Ortiz thing is that he sort of contradicts himself at the very end um, when he says, all I care about is what, all I care about is that my children know the truth. Now, if David Ortiz, if that was the only thing that he cared about, that his children know the truth, then he wouldn't be doing this piece. He wouldn't. All he would do is just tell his kids that he did it the right way. He wouldn't be doing this piece. The reason David Ortiz does this piece, and I'm not saying he doesn't care what his kids think. Of course he does. But it's not the thing. That's not the only reason, and it's certainly not the uh, reason, only reason that he's writing this piece. In fact, I think the major reason he's writing this piece comes back to the Hall of Fame. He even points it out. You know, when a major league player comes out and makes the point of telling me that he doesn't care about the Hall of Fame, what that tells me is that he does care about the Hall of Fame, so much so that he needs to try and convince us that he doesn't. He does. And I don't care that he does. He should. It's a major accomplishment. If I were a player in baseball, I would care about the Hall of Fame as well. Let me tell you something. I don't give a fuck what David Ortiz writes here. He cares about the Hall of Fame. And I don't have a problem with that. And if I had a vote, if me, myself, had a vote to put a guy in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, to put a guy in Cooperstown, and you had David Ortiz on that ballot, He's getting my vote. I don't care what the result of the 2003 test was. I don't care what the result of the test was in which the he opens his story and these guys show up at his house in the Dominican at 7.30 in the morning with briefcases and they pull out the pea cups and the big needles, as he calls them, and they test them in the Dominican at 7.30 in the morning. I, he could have failed that test. And I'm still putting David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame. He points out something in this story that I think is overlooked, is that this isn't just take PEDs, jump into the batter's box, and start taking hacks. There's a lot more that goes into this game, and I think David Ortiz is pointing out some things in this story that are very important to people that just say, oh, he took performance-enhancing drugs, he's not a Hall of Famer in my book. I think David Ortiz makes some very good points in this story, which is why... When I heard reaction over the weekend, I didn't hear many people looking at some of the points that David Ortiz makes about playing in front of big crowds, about playing at Yankee Stadium, right? About stepping in the box, about this being a thinking man's game. And you've got to succeed with that part of things before you can really succeed in anything in baseball. I believe him with that. I believe more goes into it than just uh, taking a performance-enhancing drug, right? I believe him that you could go in GNC and you could take something and let the, the guys at GNC or the vitamin shop. Uh, I won't leave vitamin shop out of this. He says GNC, vitamin shop too. Free, Danny Free Reads. They give them all. Any other stores that sell supplements? They all got things that are performance enhancing. Let me tell you a story. Want me to tell you a story? I'll tell you a story. No, you don't? Tell me a story. <laughs> tell me a story. I'll tell you a story. So, look, uh, I, I grew up playing sports, 
And, you know, hockey was my sport. And I grew up with, you know, my closest friends were Division One hockey players. Some have made it to the big time. Uh, others haven't. And the ones that haven't, I think absolutely could have if they were either right place, right time in a different situation or maybe if they decided to go after it a little bit more or wanted it a little bit more, right? I, 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 that's, that's, that's my clique. That's my group. Those are the kids I hung up with. I, I, I grew up with some uh, awesome athletes. And, you know, look, we, we, we did things together. We played sports together. We worked out together. You talk about going to the gym. There was a supplement at GNC, I want to say... 12 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, and they still have it. Uh, but, you know, a lot of us took it, and it wasn't steroids. It wasn't anything that was illegal, right? You could buy it over the counter. Was it a little shady? Yeah, when a supplement, when a, when a bottle of pills, and you got to take eight pills a day, and it comes with a fucking 200-page book, yeah, that's a little shady. That's a shady supplement. But guess what? David Ortiz is right. You can go in the store and buy that. We took, I, we, me and a couple of my friends, we took that supplement. I'll tell you what. You got to work out with it, first of all. But when you work out with it, just do a normal workout routine, taking the supplement, holy shit. Holy shit. Some, you, you, know that, you know that it's then shady, right? Yeah, you know. You just you feel, I mean, can rip the, rip the door off its hinges after a workout. It's... And I don't know, and this is where I think David Ortiz is right. And I'm not, I'm not trying to paint myself in a different light from other reporters or, or columnists or anything. But, but perhaps some of these older columnist reporters uh, that David Ortiz is right maybe have never, you know, stepped in into the plate, stepped up to the plate, or, or in this environment where you can go into GNC or Vitamin Shop and buy a supplement, maybe they don't understand this. And I feel the need to sort of relay the message that David Ortiz is trying to send home. You can buy shit at GNC and over-the-counter at Vitamin Shop that's going to get you jacked out of your tree. And that is a pretty shady supplement. You can. You can do it. You, you can do it. And Pete, you know this. I know, you know, your nickname isn't Peter Supplements. <laughs> but, you know, if I had to... I want my bag of supplements if, that I carry with me every day. If I had to give you one... As you pour the creatine powder into your fucking grape drink over there, um, you know, you'll be going to the gym later after that. And I'm telling you, this shit's real. You get some shady stuff that you can get, right? That, you know, you could say to yourself, wow, would this be legal? If I got tested, would I be able, you know, yeah, you could play in the O'Sullivan Wiffle Ball Classic this year, but I think if fucking Major League Baseball knocked on your door, you, you might get a 50 game suspension, Pete. I'm being dead serious. But it's it's not like it's not like you're in a lab on Thursday nights with some doctor that's putting together that's got the smoke coming out of the little glass containers and he's putting together some some you know something crazy. You know, there are those guys. And there are those guys that take that stuff. But the guys that don't do that stuff can still get something over the counter, like David Ortiz is saying, that you aren't gonna pass a test in professional sports. You won't. You won't be a well Pete. The Olympics could be in Boston in 10 years. You won't be able to play shit. You won't pass that Olympic drug test, what you're taking right now. Um, and it's all legal. It's, it's all over the counter. You get it at GNC. It's all over the counter. Now, 
I think it helps. I, it, <laughs> oh, it helps. It's just judging by the stuff that we used to take, I'm, I'm telling you. Uh, it helps. But look, look, I think David Ortiz is trying to make that point. And the point that I always try to make with Hall of Fame, because again, this is what this is all about, Major League Baseball, Hall of Fame, the point I always make is, I think there's a younger group here. And now again, I don't have a vote, but I certainly know some younger baseball writers that either have a vote now or will have a vote by the time David Ortiz is eligible for the Hall of Fame. And it's the younger group that is going to vote for a guy like this, even though he was on a, te- on a list in 2003 or whatever it was. Even if David Ortiz failed the test tomorrow, the younger voters, we, we would vote for him. And not just because of the story that I just told you. And basically defending Ortiz when he says he can get stuff at GNC and Vitamin Shop that, will, that he'll probably fail a test with, right? But also because he's not the only one doing it, right? He's not the only one doing it. He's not the only one that's looking to get an edge. He's not the only one that's taking a certain amount of pills each day to make sure he can play a 162-game season. And as David Ortiz points out in this piece on the Players' Tribune, a guy that could possibly be playing a 180-game season if his team goes deep into the playoffs. Which, by the way, I don't know what's going to happen with this Red Sox team and this Red Sox rotation. Mainly because of the rotation and whatever the fuck they got going on in the bullpen. Um, but we'll do that later in the week. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really like this Red Sox pitching staff, but I, I hope they can prove me wrong. Go get the ace, go get Cole Hamels. Anyway, sorry. Um, look, David Ortiz isn't the only one doing this stuff. And David Ortiz, look, do I, do I, do I believe David Ortiz when he says, I didn't do anything back in 2003? Well, No. I, I, don't necess- I don't necessarily believe him because the only thing, you know, he throws out the whole GNC thing, but as I just told you, there's still some shady shit in GNC. Uh, and, and if I know that, he must know that. But also, the argument that he passes all these tests, that's not a good argument for me. And, and, and again, now let me clarify. I would vote for David Ortiz, knowing that he probably took some shady stuff at some point, Okay. Uh, I, I would vote. I put him in the Hall of Fame. I put him in the Hall of Fame. I put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. I put Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame. I put Alex Rodriguez in the fucking Hall of Fame. I do. But speaking of Alex Rodriguez, that gets to my point about David Ortiz throwing out this idea that, well, he's clean and he's going to tell us about it by pointing out he has passed every single test that Major League Baseball has put in front of him. Now, um, as we know, that's not actually true because he points out in the same column that he actually did test positive for something. He doesn't know what. He says he might have got it at GNC. Whatever. Let's say that he did. Let's say that he didn't. Let's say that it is. That is a crock of shit. Say that, let's say that isn't true. The defense for a player by saying, hey, I didn't take performance enhancing drugs because I passed every test. You know that you know why that defense doesn't work for me? That defense doesn't work for me. That that doesn't work for me because Alex Rodriguez last year was was suspended for an entire season. For an entire season. But it wasn't because he failed the test. Alex Rodriguez was passing the tests. He passed the same exact tests that David Ortiz passed. 
Alex Rodriguez was popping gummies in the clubhouse, and he was passing every single test that every other player in Major League Baseball was taking. So to sit there and say, I didn't do anything because I passed every test that was put in front of me, please, if I'm the agent here, then I have to say to the player, don't use that as an excuse. Because history shows us that a guy that was just suspended for an entire season passed every single drug test that Major League Baseball put in front of him. Those guys with the briefcases that David Ortiz talks about showing up at his front door at 7.30 a.m. in the Dominican, I got news for you, Big Poppy. They showed up at, at Alex Rodriguez's door, too. And they they probably had bigger needles than that. And, and more peacocks. Who knows what they were doing with A-Rod? Who knows? But he passed those tests. But he was still doing some shit. So that, 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 that defense of I passed all the tests, that doesn't do it for me. That doesn't convince me. No. So that's why I've always said, with the A-Rod stuff, and when players speak out and they get mad at A-Rod, right, publicly, like I heard Johnny Gomes doing it, like the Red Sox last year, like the last fucking thing they should have been talking about, Gomes and PV or whoever the fuck was in there, the last thing on a shitty fucking team, the last thing they should have been talking about is A-Rod, right, and his PED use. I mean, come on. Uh, Well, you know, what? Who, whoever, whenever that was, I don't know if it was last year or year before, they were arguing about A-Rod, talking to the media. You shouldn't be mad at A-Rod. You should be mad at the at MLB for having a drug testing program that you think is fixed. That is having Lennon Alex Rodriguez pass the tests. So if A-Rod is doing all this illegal stuff that gets him suspended for a full season, clearly the drug testing program isn't working. David Ortiz tries to tries to say that it is working. It's not working. You're, Alex Rodriguez passed the same test that you took. And we now we find out what A-Rod was doing. And he was suspended for an entire season. So that, that defense doesn't... You got to let that go. Stop saying that. Now, that said, again, the younger audience, uh, I think the younger people, the people that accept, there's a lot of guys doing it, the people that accept that you can walk into a store and get some shady shit. Well... Basically, we are going to put David Ortiz and some of these other guys in the Hall of Fame because we also believe that there are a lot of guys doing this stuff and a lot of guys still passing the test while doing it. But nobody is as good as these guys. Nobody was as good as Barry Bonds. You think Barry Bonds was the only one on the juice? Everybody was on the juice. Guess what? Barry Bonds on the juice was that much better than everybody else on the juice. Okay? Um. And, you know, for the people that knock A-Rod, to think that he's playing in a league and is the only one doing, uh, doing shady shit, it's nuts. He wasn't. I'm going to put these guys in the Hall of Fame. I think a lot of the younger audience and media members are going to do the same. So, I, I, I don't think... I, I, don't, but I, I don't think a story like this with David Ortiz, I don't think that... I don't think that helps. I don't think this helps his case with the with the younger audience. You get what I'm saying? Like I don't think I don't think he needs to say anything. Because I think there's a group of older writers and voters that they're not going to change their mind. And if you come out with a story like this and you might contradict yourself with some of the things I've said, they're going to use that as ammunition 
to keep you out of the Hall of Fame by not voting for you. That's, that's what they're going to do. You're never going to... David Ortiz, if I had a message for David Ortiz, and, and I Big Poppy, the last thing David Ortiz is doing before a game is on his phone listening to this podcast. I think that's the last thing he's doing. But let me, let me, let me say this one thing. If we could get him to listen to this, and even if he just wants to fast forward to this part, I, I do have a I do have a message for David Ortiz. I, I just there's some there's some advice I need to give him. Okay, there's some advice that and I and I think look I I I have a podcast here. We're in the Beantown Athletic Studios in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Um, I grew up a diehard Red Sox fan. Okay, um, I once was a reporter in the room. That didn't work out. I'm not a reporter. I'm a fan. I fucking love these teams. David Ortiz is my guy. Big Poppy is my guy. But I am critical of these guys, maybe even more so than the writers and the columnists, because this team, the Red Sox, baseball in Boston is a major part of my life. I'm emotional. I'm passionate about it. So I feel like I can be critical, maybe even overly critical to the point where uh, maybe too critical at times. But I, but with that said, I have some advice for David Ortiz. And if he could just listen to this, I, I, I hope I hope he takes it to heart. And, and I hope that I, I hope that he utilizes it as a, as a, a PR strategy moving forward. Here's my advice to David Ortiz. David, big poppy. One thing you are never going to do here, one thing you are never going to do is convince the older group of writers or reporters, the guys who are not going to put you in, the guys who today wake up and if you put a gun to their head and said, are you going to put David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame? Are you going to put these guys in the Hall of Fame? The guys that might have a cloud over their head. You know, you might not think that's right to have the cloud over your head. We get that. But... Ultimately, if you do care about the Hall of Fame, and I know you're sitting there in that clubhouse, and I know you fucking do. I know you don't want to say it, but I know you do. You know what? You should, because it's a special thing. But one thing you're never going to do, Big Poppy, is convince that group, the guys that wake up today, you put a gun to the head, ask if Ortiz is in the Hall of Fame, and they say no, that they would not put him, put you in. The one thing you'll never do is change their mind. You're never going to change their mind. They've made up their mind on PEDs. They've made up their mind on guys with the cloud over their head. They've made up their mind on steroids, and that's that. You're not going to change their mind. You do have a group, a younger group, that by the time you're eligible for the Hall of Fame, you're going to get in. You're going to get in. People like me, I probably wanna, I'm not going to have a vote, but I'm going to have a voice, and I'm going to say that you should be in. And the reasons I'm going to put you in is because regardless of what you were putting in, what powder was going into your protein shakes or what pills may or may not have been bought and taken at GNC, you were still one of the best fucking players in the game. And you, if you were doing that stuff, you weren't the only one, and I know that. And the younger audience knows that. And the younger writers are going to put you in. But when you come out with a piece like this and you contradict yourself a little bit, you might be taking some of those younger voters. And if you contradict yourself with some stuff and you say the wrong things in some of these things, some of these stories... You might get a couple of those guys to, to jump ship and say, you know what, I'm not going to vote for this guy because he's not, you know, there's something here that, that I don't really believe him or I'm starting to question it now. My advice to David Ortiz is don't talk about this anymore. Even if something came up, enough is enough. Go out and play. Go out and let this be a thinking man's game and continue to succeed and continue to be one of the best players on the planet when you get hot. 
And don't answer this shit anymore. Don't do this. Don't come out with this. Because the younger group, the people like me, people that have a voice, or the people that have a vote, the younger people, you're in. You're in. And by the time you're eligible, I'm telling you right now, you're going to get in. So the on, But the only thing that you do when you come out with something like this is I think you, you take that younger group and you get some of them to maybe question it a little bit. You're never going to change the mind of the people that won't put you in right now. It's just not going to happen. I don't care what you do moving forward. If they haven't changed your mind, if they're not in mind by now, they're never going to change their mind. But you got to forget about that. The only thing that this thing does, and I do think he makes some great points, judging from the reaction that I heard before I read it, I thought this was going to be 20 times worse. And it wasn't. But that just goes to show you with some people... That just goes to show you what some people feel, what they feel about PEDs, what they feel about guys with that cloud over the head. And David Ortiz is one of those guys that they feel. Anything he says, they're going to nitpick and they're going to jump all over him for something that which he might have contradicted himself and doesn't make much sense to them. Because in their minds, he took, and because he took, he's not a Hall of Famer. Me, whether you took, whether you didn't take, I have no idea. Would I be shocked if you... If you did or have used something, whether it was over the counter or whether it was a, a, a shady way of you trying to, uh, you know, be better than everybody else. No, I wouldn't be shocked because I don't think it, 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 it's not a foreign thing. It's not it's not something that, that didn't happen. The, everybody's looking for a competitive edge, especially if everyone's going to get a competitive edge and pass the tests like A-Rod has been doing, right? But that's the, I wouldn't be shocked, but it's not going to change my mind if David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer or not. David Ortiz is a Major League Baseball Hall of Famer. He should be in Cooperstown. I believe he will be in Cooperstown. But something like this in the Players' Tribune, as much as he makes some good points, I don't think something like this helps him more than it hurts him. I, I don't think it does. I would my advice to David Ortiz, I think you got a larger group than you believe that will that will vote and put you in. Let them take care of it. You take care of your stuff on the field, and we'll all move on from this. That's it. You're never gonna change the minds of the people that, that won't put you in. It's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. So it's not even worth the fight. It's not. But Big Poppy, you ask me right now, is he Hall of Famer? No fucking question about it. Absolutely. So, that's how I feel about it. I was, uh, I was, in, I think he made some great points, but I was the, the reaction that I heard over the weekend was different than what I thought I was gonna read. It was different than what I thought I was gonna read. So, I'm excited for baseball. I hope we can put the PEDs and I just hope we get the whole story about the PEDs. Let's go. Move, let's move on. I'm just, I've moved on. That's the thing. I've, that's the thing. I've moved on. I just hope I don't get tested. Like I, <laughs> I don't want to get I suspended. Just, I just don't care. Right? Just play. Just play. Let's just play it. Right? Let's just play the games. Major League Baseball opening night Sunday. Cubs, Cardinals. Will Johnny Lester go? Oh, he had a dead arm. I don't know if he plays or not, but if he does, how many pitches will he throw? We don't know. Red Sox open on Monday in Philadelphia. They'll have three in Philly, and they'll have a couple in the Bronx against the Yankees. I'm jacked up about that series. Um, the Red Sox have some issues. They have some injury stuff, too. So we'll get more into baseball this week. 
Uh, Jimmy Hayes in studio tomorrow. Florida Panthers forward. Um, what else we got? NCAA tournament final four this weekend. Frozen four this weekend. Once again, you want to put in your bets early for the final four? Take Michigan State plus five over Duke. And Kentucky minus five over Wisconsin. That's just me sticking to my original bracket. But I'm not stubborn enough to the point where I wouldn't change that if I actually thought I would be wrong. No, I still think I'm going to be right. Kentucky versus Michigan State. I don't care that you don't care about my bracket. In fact, I almost feel like I'm helping you out. If you listen, if you did care, maybe you should have cared. Listen to me. Here five days a week, DannyPicard.com. Follow me on Twitter. Like me on Facebook. Also, subscribe on iTunes. Also on Stitcher. Get the free Stitcher app and the TuneIn app. All of it is free. The Danny Picard Show, five days a week. I'm out. Talk to you soon.